the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is underway. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Our other location across the Outkick Network. It includes YouTube. Hope you'll join us there on the Outkick channel. Search that. Hit subscribe and you can join Chad in the chat. He's just logged in there saying hello to those that are joining us as we get started here. A lot to, a lot to get to. Dan Dockett joins us. From uh, Don't At Me with Dan Dockage here on the Outkick Network. Dan joins us in 20 minutes. Sean Merriman, lights out. We'll preview the NFL season with the former NFL pass rusher. That's coming up in an hour. Plus, our leader, Clay Travis, joins us. Outkick founder in hour number two as well. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. In fact, that's what I put in the YouTube chat. A hearty good afternoon to everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining the show. Yesterday was a lot of fun. We had so much to react to over the long weekend. But storyline after storyline continues to gather. We're going to get into all of it with Dan Dockich, with Clay Travis, with Sean Merriman. But Hutton, plenty to get to to start the show today. Yeah, and we, we turn our attention to the NFL. That's where we start with our Scorched Earth headlines today on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, Travis Kelsey's status, uncertain at this point. However, after hyperextending his knee in practice yesterday, uh, his knee is swollen. They're hoping the swelling goes down by kickoff. Reports are there is no structural damage. They're reporting that it is a bone bruise. They're referring to that, including Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother, who went on radio this morning in Philadelphia and said that he feels like he has a pretty good chance of playing through the pain as long as the swelling can go down. Of course, the Chiefs open the season tomorrow against the Detroit Lions at Arrowhead. Uh, this is uh, a tight end, 33 who is coming off a career high in touchdowns a year ago, and Travis Kelsey, who is uh, always on target and in tune with Patrick Mahomes. If he's not in the game, Chad, you can drastically defend the Chiefs' offense in a different way. And that affects how the Detroit Lions' game plan would go into defending Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the wide receiving core, which is Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and a host of others that are just a piece to the puzzle, but not the main attraction, which is Kelsey in the passing game. It feels like this is something that will force the Chiefs to run plays. And what I mean <laughs> by that is that they rely so much on freelancing on the field. And that sixth sense where Patrick Mahomes knows exactly where Travis Kelsey is going, knows what he is doing when a play remotely breaks down. They know exactly what the other is going to do, and he has been the ultimate safety net for Patrick Mahomes and a big playmaker. It's rare you have both. Usually your safety net's also not your, your big-time playmaker. Travis Kelsey's been that. He's been the touchdown machine for that offense in the passing game. He is a big-time playmaker, and when things break down and there's no need for a play because you have Mahomes at quarterback and you have Kelsey at tight end making a play down the field, finding ways to get open, finding ways to beat the defense. To me, what this does, well, with the Vegas line, it's moved it by about a point, but what it does for this game is it forces the Chiefs to rely on play calling, to rely on specificity of routes with guys. I'm not saying they don't call plays and it's all just drawn up in the dirt and they don't work on things, but they have been allowed to do a lot of freelancing within that offense because of Mahomes and because, in large part, due to Kelsey. This changes it where they're going to have to have some things drawn up 
to make sure they're getting some guys open where before it was, well, if this doesn't work, we can always just throw it to Kelsey. Yeah, and you could do that at the line of scrimmage between those two. Exactly. And, and they it, can make eye contact and know what the other was going to do based yeah. on a defense. Yeah, and you, Mahomes isn't doing that with others. Nope. Um, and also, you don't have to defend Kelsey with a safety and help with a linebacker or help with a corner uh, with dual coverage uh, in the secondary. That, that also affects things. And it also puts more pressure on the Chiefs' defense if he's not there. Uh, because of his effectiveness in, in the red zone. Because the Chiefs' de- defense is likely without Chris Jones with no progress there on the, the contract uh, status. But uh, at least good news from the injury status for fantasy football owners. It's not a, a, an ACL issue. It's not something that is a long-term problem. And that's coming from reporters on the ground in Kansas City and also through Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason, who said it's a bone bruise, and hopefully the swelling goes down. If it does, they believe he's going to play. To what effectiveness? We'll see. He has not missed a game due to injury since 2013 when he had a a knee issue his rookie season. He's missed games since then, but it's mainly because, and all because, they sit him going into the postseason because they have nothing to play for in the final week of the season. So it's... Un, very uncommon that we will not see him there if he can give it a go, if he's 50%, 75%, whatever it might be. Hutton, I don't know about you, but I trust the reporting of Big Brother Kelsey more than any reporter covering that Kansas City beat. No doubt. So what he says goes. That is the official report is coming from Jason Kelsey. Ed Werder is uh, a solid reporter as well. Uh, normally, uh, and, and quite frankly, known for his great work covering the Dallas Cowboys. He hasn't been a writer, though, in 25 to 30 years just straight reporter uh, with ESPN and doing things uh, specifically surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. But being that TCU and Colorado and the game was in Fort Worth, Werder was there on behalf of ESPN where he's covering Deion Sanders in Colorado's victory, 45-42. Post-game, Deion is referring to uh, Ed Werder in asking, hey, uh, how about that? Do you believe us now? And he's pointing right at Ed Werder and asking the question directly to the Cowboys, Cowboys reporter, not the college football writer. Huh? Who said I didn't believe Oh, no, no, no. I ran through that bull junk you wrote down. I, I ran through that. I sifted through what all that. Write? Ah. What did I write? What did I write? Oh, no. Come Can on. I ask my question? Do you believe? In what? Do you believe? <laughs> I believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. Next question. I have the next question. Throw me over here. Just don't believe. Throw me. Go ahead. And there's Werder saying, uh, believe what? And he went on the Dan Patrick show, Ed Werder did, and it explained his side of things. First of all, you know, in the moment, it just did not seem journalistically appropriate in that situation for me to meet his demand and tell him what I believed or don't, what I don't. And interacting with him, as I mentioned, you know, over the years, he played for the Cowboys, longtime NFL Hall of Fame player, interacting as often as we do. I can't imagine that he really expected that I was going to commit to either position in that circumstance because it was unprofessional to do so. And he said, I haven't been a writer in 30 years. I don't cover college football. This was an exception. I asked him, as you heard multiple times, what did I write? He couldn't ever provide an example. And the reason is no such example even exists. I've been doing television for the last 30 years. I'm also exclusively a TV reporter, as you know. 
Ed Werder being a part of this is just perfection, and it's the perfect comedy that's going on. Deion Sanders sounding like Tom Cruise and a few good men cross-examining him also with the do you believe over and over is hysterical. And Ed Werder coming back in the end, I don't know if you caught it in the video, but he says, okay, next question. And you just hear Ed Werder. I didn't get to ask my question. Because yeah. <laughs> all it was was Dion cross-examining, asking him if he believes. Now, doing a deeper dive into this with, with you know Dan Patrick and the interview and everything else, apparently the only thing that Ed Werder wrote about Dion Sanders was one tweet retweeting Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. And basically all he said was, here's the impact of celebrity head coach Deion Sanders. Ticket sales are up, spring game, donations to the Buffalo Club or whatever else all through the roof. It was nothing derogatory. The only thing you could remotely take away from it that Dion might be upset with is referring to him as a celebrity head coach. But with Deion Sanders, he would also be offended if you didn't refer to him as a celebrity head coach and didn't acknowledge his greatness as a Hall of Famer and an NFL great. So what we've got here is a case of Deion Sanders winning big in game number one, but also Deion Sanders needing to check himself a little bit on trying to play both sides of everything. Oh, that's not going to be. That's never going to happen. Well, then stop acting like everyone else is crazy. Just be well, you and stop calling people out for saying that you're being you. Well, I think he is lumping everyone together and playing a character there with Ed Werder. I, I don't. I, I don't think he's directly claiming Ed Werder wrote anything. I think he's just recognizing someone in the room and lumping media all in together, ESPN all together, based on the fact that Werder's there on behalf of ESPN. Well, it, he's he's going to be Dion. I mean, there's there's no way around it's go, it. It's going to be a soap opera all season. He's going to be Dion, and he's going to say some crazy things, and we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be entertaining, and it's going to be good for ratings and all of that. And we got some info for you in a little bit about how good it was for ratings. I, I'm fine with that. I, I just I get tired of the person who's constantly screaming – I don't know who you are. Who's that? Pat Narduzzi? Never heard of him. Next. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Kevin only, Byard, who is that? Only yep. me and God right. are the only two that matter, right? Yeah, Deion Sanders. I don't know who Kevin Byard is. Only me and God are the only two that matter. That's the only opinions I care about. God and myself. And then the moment he wins a big game, Deion is screaming at every media report. I read what you wrote, what you wrote, what you wrote, what you wrote, and I cared so much that I'm going to throw it in your face right now. You can't have it both ways. Either you care or you don't. Clearly, you read everything. Clearly, well, you care or you wouldn't be angry about it after the game. But he was also mocked and kind of laughed at and jest, and I'm one of them. Was we came in and played this a month ago where they're opening practice and he's discussing his foot and how he hopes to run out of the tunnel in Fort Worth. Yeah. And he says, uh, "My, what do I expect to happen? I expect to win. We're going to win. And when you hear that, you're like, okay, like we'll see. Yeah, the expectation is to win down the road. This is going to be... Uh, a rough patch to begin the season, and it was not. So when he comes into the uh, press room post game, he's lumping Werder in with everyone, and I, he's more or less speaking to the general consensus, which was this is going to be uh, a bad showing on national TV for the first two games, and it was far from it. Chad and everyone 
sat and watched it based on the numbers yeah, that we saw. I, I don't want to spend too much time, you know, having someone entertain me and then complain about the method in which they entertain me because I do think this is good for the sport and I, I like it. And I like Deion Sanders well, providing some, but, some entertainment. But even, even more than that, it's not entertainment. He I loves just, love. He wants to be loved. Yeah. And in this case, it was more, uh, you know, half smile, uh, sure, Deion, sure, Prime, go win. This isn't Jackson State anymore. This is the Power Five. And he went out and won. I just, Dion is probably smart enough to know that he's going to change the messaging of what he's saying in a boisterous way each week. And depending on the outcome, it's going to change his tune. That's what I'm interested in. And what in. he's talking about. Uh, I, I just, I think that it's going to wear thin with the, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I'm bigger, I'm badder than you. I'm a bigger celebrity. I'm a better coach. I know more football. I played football at a higher level. None of your opinions matter. And then the moment something happens, I, I read all of your opinions now. I want to comment on all of your opinions. That's all I'm saying. But keep up the entertainment. Um, as uh, they said in Wedding Crash or something, entertain me, clown. There, that's what Vince Vaughn was, was told. <laughs> I, that's what I say to Dion. And Dion, I'm not calling you a clown. If I ever get a chance to ask you a question, I hope you don't know that I'm saying that. He'll in jest. That is a quote uh, from Wedding Crashers from a little kid to Vince Vaughn to make him a, a balloon bicycle. That's not me calling you a clown. But I will say, when it comes to this storyline, entertain me, clown. Well, and the entertainment continues just through viewership. This Nebraska, Colorado will be uh, on uh, Fox this Saturday, big noon kickoff uh, as well. Chad, it, this won't be the last time we see Dion in a prime position moving forward with the Colorado Buffaloes based on the numbers. Yeah, based on the first week, numbers were terrific for both the big noon kickoff game, over 7.2 million viewers, and also for Fox's big noon kickoff show before the game. The 11 a.m. Eastern hour posted 1.345 million viewers. That's up 22% wow. over Big Noon kickoff last week. Now, this week, we'll talk about it more later, uh, Hutton, but very interesting test. Trey Wallace wrote about this at Outkick.com. Battle between the two networks for that Saturday morning eyeballs for viewing on Saturday morning for college football pregame shows. It wasn't as close as I thought it was going to be this week. The last hour of college game day did over, I think, 2.1 million. So about 800,000 more viewers for college game day. And that was a game between South Carolina. Yeah, there it is. 2.2 million. So 900,000 more viewers than the final hour of, uh, of big noon kickoff. That was the South Carolina, North Carolina game in Charlotte. But, but it's, it's more about college game day and you're kicking off the college football season with college game day and they get which an is hour, a ritual they get an hour head start look I, it's one of the best shows in all of sports and it has been for years there has been some change up going on yes. right yep um i i, I want to save more of it for later but there are things that fox is doing there's one big thing i think fox could have done okay to possibly push them over the top in this ratings battle, but it may not matter because that Deion Sanders coach prime win in week one may prime up Fox to have a ratings win this Saturday. Now, that's they're going up against Texas Alabama, which is the game of the weekend. So it's not Colorado Nebraska is a nice game, big story. It's going to do great ratings in that time slot. Texas at Alabama is the game of the week, and that's where ESPN College Game Day will be this week. So We'll continue to watch these ratings and, and see if Fox can make up some ground.
Game of the week in the NFL is not Arizona at Washington. We can guarantee that, Cardinals and Commanders. Uh, reports through uh, NFL Network and Ian Rappaport, the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon, head coach, who is trying not to announce a starter, reports are through Rappaport. The Cardinals are expected to have Joshua Dobbs as their starting quarterback this week. Rookie Clayton Toon will receive the backup reps in practice, and they'll evaluate the situation each week. But this is how it begins. Dobbs, entering his seventh season, had his first career start with the Titans last year in December on the road in Jacksonville. Now gets traded to Arizona, and two weeks later is the starting quarterback of the franchise. Fire up the spaceship, baby. Astro Dobbs, ready to report for and launch. Kyler Murray is on PUP. Let's go. With an injury guarantee if he returns to Cardinals play. Cardinals about to shock the world, ladies and gentlemen. They're shocking the world. Doc Starting this weekend. Next on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw beer. Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. You can find the network, outkick.com, and across streaming platforms, YouTube. Just search out Outkick, hit subscribe, catch all the shows there, including Don't At Me with Dan Dockich, who joins us now. Dan, hope things are well. Good to see you, man. I've been listening to this blonde redhead and brunette joke. And I, 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 I'm just, I'm giving up on it. I'm pausing it because it's getting to the punchline and uh, I don't think it's funny anymore. I'm good. How are you guys? The jokes that just wind and wind and wind that exhaust you that you don't even want to get to the punchline, those are the worst. Like the aristocrats. Get to it quicker. Yeah, the aristocrats I mean, joke that yeah. we used to hear yeah, from Bob Saget. I figured this one would be pretty good, but it kept going and now I got no interest. So I'm a little disappointed as I'm sitting here talking to you. But other than that, everything's wonderful. How interested are you in, in Deion Sanders and what he did in, in game number one? I guess we got to ride the wave while it lasts is what I'm thinking, that it's going to fall apart eventually this season. But what if it doesn't for this Colorado team? Great story, right? I mean, don't we all love college football and have a new group in there as opposed to the same old, same old and an interesting guy? I thought everything – that happened in that game was fantastic. You know, his son and then Travis Hunter and the four receivers. I did think that all the, hey, look, the America doesn't want a black man to succeed was total crap, and I think that everybody would admit to that, and that's just kind of particularly when directed at Ed Warner, who, well, isn't even a writer. That was crap. That was show. That was theater. But, hey, good for him, man. Whatever floats your boat to get your team to play really well. I, I'm all in on it. Good for Fox. I, I remember Urban Meyer saying that he went to see him practice. And I talked to him about it. I said, what do you think? He goes, I don't know. He goes, they got some real dudes on that team. And they've got great assistant coaches. He said their coaching was really good. So we'll see. Is TCU any good? I don't know. Is is Dion's team any good? Uh, thought so. Pretty talented guys. And you know what? Nebraska needs to play a full game. Nebraska's pretty good till about three minutes ago over the last two years. So it's going to be fun and good for Fox for having the game. Dan, it, mentioning Nebraska gets me thinking. Of every of any program that's ever needed an exorcism, it's the Nebraska football <laughs> program. And, I mean, this is not just one group of guys under one coach. This goes back to Mike Riley passed it off to 
to Scott Frost. And now game one for Matt Rule, this guy known as a winner in college, they are in control of that game, playing great defense at Minnesota. And they do everything possible to wreck it in the final three or four minutes of the game. What do you say when you're a coach and you clearly, for whatever reason, have a locker room that is just constantly shook in any late game, close situation? You know what I did? And it saved our season. I had a team like that. It should have been better. We had come off a championship season in 2000. In 2001, we just should have been better. We lost a couple kids. So, Chad, you know, after another close loss, I'm driving back with my SID. I go, we got to do something. He said, you know what we got to do? I said, what? He said, we got to turn it around. I said, no blank, Sherlock. He goes, no. (laughs) Everybody in the building, everybody at practice, players got to turn their clothes around. So this front went to the back. The, the pants that the players wore were spun around. Everybody turned it around. And I actually walked out to a game with, a, with my coat backwards. It was like a straight jacket. And it became a thing around campus. And we won like eight straight games. Uh, and it saved our season. We went from a season that was going to be crappy to a season that, you know, with only eight or nine total home games, won 18 or 19 games. So... Hey, this has been going on. This reminds me of my Indiana Hoosiers basketball. Everybody wants to dream of how good they used to be, but they can't get good in the modern era. Look, I don't know if it's just going to take one win, but I do think Matt Rule's a pretty good coach, and to your point, it's like anything that can go wrong went wrong. And I think Rule's doing the right thing here. Man, is he pumping up Deion Sanders. Man, is he, is he cuddling to uh, prime time. And you should look as a white coach, Deion Sanders can make you embarrassed. He can, he can start talking race on you and blah, 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 blah. So I'm seeing what rules doing. He's trying to cozy up, make sure there's nothing outside like the Kendall Bryles thing where, you know, they were disrespecting his son Shakur Shadur when they went down to TCU for a recruiting camp. Hey, I don't know, but I'll tell you this better players certainly helps. You got a guy in there that can coach. And frankly, you got a side in the Big Ten, at least for this year, that stinks. If you're going to do it, I think now's the time. But you better start out one and one, not 0 and 2, before them Nebraska fans get nutty on you. Dan Dockich with us. Dan, was Colorado the biggest surprise at the college football weekend, or do you look somewhere else? Man, I got a couple of them. I, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, I thought LSU last year, at the end of the year, I know everybody likes to hate on really hate on Brian Kelly, but man, that took that team to the SEC championship and they looked God awful. But the biggest surprise to me was how bad Clemson looked. I thought Clemson looked unorganized, undisciplined. I actually thought, and my wife made this point about, I don't know, 10 minutes in, maybe it was after they stopped Clemson on the one yard line. She said the other team, meaning Duke, is faster, bigger, stronger, tougher. And I'm telling you, more I watched that part of it, she was right. That was not a fluke. That was not an upset. Duke beat the brakes off of Clemson. Duke looked bigger, stronger, tougher, and Clemson fell apart. That was the biggest surprise to me. I'm sorry about this. There's a dog on my TV, so, of course, my dog has to go nuts with that dog, and now i got to turn it off. So there you go. But anyway, that was the biggest shock to me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with you. Duke looked every bit as physical as Clemson in that game. Ohio State struggled for a while in their game, also, Dan. You know, 23 to 3 over Indiana. Uh, your Indiana Hoosiers, not that inspiring of a win. 
I know you commented on Kirk Herbstreit's rant against Ohio State fans for unrealistic expectations. You compared that a bit to Indiana fans with the basketball program there, and you kind of have the opposite take the way Ohio State fans feel about their program. Well, Ohio State fans are nuts, and I saw Kirk uh, Kirk's rant, and he's right. There's a difference between being real fans and being complete lunatics. The expectations, Brian Day or Ryan Day, is 46 and six. 46 and six. I mean, that gets you in every Hall of Fame and any coaching ever. Indiana fans, I didn't realize this. A friend of mine told me this today. He said, "You realize that there's only been 11 Elite Eight teams." ever in the history of Indiana basketball. And Indiana basketball started 1901. There has been none since 2002. Wow. And also, every recruit in Indiana is considered by the bloggers and the media, and this is true, five-star, great player, legends. And I'm sitting there going, and Indiana fans are cool with this. Like, you know, Mike Woodson is 21-19 and 19 in the Big Ten, got gifted Trace Jackson Davis, and they gave him another million per year mm. on his contract after coming in ninth and third. Compare that with Ohio State fans, Ohio State football fans. The dude is 46 and 6, and he lost two games. And those two games have people nuts. Ohio State fans are insane. I mean, completely out of their mind. I lived in that state 10 years. My son played basketball there. I've seen it. And there is a difference, and Kirk was absolutely right, between the over-the-top lunacy. But the everyday fan, the bottom line fan, is insanely demanding, has standards for Ohio State football. Indiana, the bottom line fan, is just happy if we put a team out there. The crazy fan is like, oh, man, we beat Purdue twice. We're really good. No, you quit an NCAA tournament game. And I wasn't the only guy saying that. Every person in the media saw it, said it, and wrote it. Ohio State fans are upset, and they should be, because Indiana stinks. I mean, Indiana's a bad football team. And I watched that game, and I got to tell you, when you got no quarterback, no chance at a quarterback, and you only beat them 20-3, to I think it was, if I'm a Ohio State fan, I'm concerned, but I'm not nuts. You want a Big Ten game on the road for crying out loud. Dan Dockett's with us. Dan, the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night, Kansas City and Detroit. Uh, a theme of the season I'm, I'm fascinated to find out about. Uh, by the way, Joe Burrow says he's good to go. He's going to play week one against Cleveland. Justin Herbert gets paid. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, certainly uh, Josh Allen. Uh, had a lot of hype last year in Buffalo. We haven't talked about him much. Rodgers is now in the AFC. This is a, a chance for Mahomes to define the entire era that he's playing in by, be, by leading the Chiefs to back-to-back -back Super Bowl victories for the first time since we saw Tom Brady do so. If it's not Mahomes, which quarterback is it to take that spot this year? And are we just watching... Uh, the same storyline play out where it's been Brady, but there have been other quarterbacks that were close, but they couldn't break down the door because they couldn't get through New England. You know, it's funny uh, you asked me that. I, I was watching winning time last night uh, with, the, with the Lakers, and back in the NBA, you had to knock on the door before you finally broke through. Jordan had to get through the Pistons. The Pistons had to get through the Lakers. There was a there was like a pecking order. I, I, I feel like, and maybe internally it's dysfunctional. Leslie Frazier isn't there as a defensive coordinator, and the coach is handling some of that, head coach McDermott. But I feel like if you're talking about knocking on the door, 
I feel like you got to look at the Bills. I know Stephon Diggs has been a bit of a pain, but they seem to have everything that you need, particularly when Von Miller comes back. We all make our Super Bowl predictions now, but forgetting that guys are going to be coming back and guys are going to be hurt. If I was going to pick a team, I would pick, no question, I would pick Kansas City. I, I'm not going against Mahomes if Kelsey's healthy. Certainly if Chris Jones takes a few weeks off and then comes back. But it feels like, to me, it just feels like you're knocking on the door, banging on the door. You've been able to beat Mahomes a few times, you know, in the regular season. I, I just feel like the Buffalo Bills seem to be a little bit poised for that. I would like for it to be uh, because I think it'd be a fun story. I, I think it'd be interesting if the Jets made that move. I think it'd be interesting uh, if Lamar Jackson, because I really like that guy. I have a kind of a weird crush on the way LeBron, Lamar Jackson plays football. Yeah. But it, it, again, I'm just, I, I don't know, you know, any more than anybody else, but it just feels like you got to bang on that door a little bit before you break through. Tampa Bay was a little different when Brady came over there. They just got Brady and won the Super Bowl. It doesn't seem to happen that often. And that would be the equivalent to Rodgers doing that. But give me Mahomes. And then I, I guess, and you said it, a lot less hype this year with Josh Allen, which is probably a good thing for Buffalo. Probably, yeah. Dan, you mentioned winning time, so I have to ask about it because I absolutely love this show. And what I find fascinating about this season is how it is showing Magic Johnson to be the first ever coach killer in basketball history and how it was received in the moment. And Paul Westhead, not the brightest guy in how he handled it either with Magic Johnson, a superstar, but how that was viewed then when Magic Johnson's getting booed in the forum for getting Paul Westhead fired and his surprise to that, to how it would be viewed today. And the gap between that is amazing to me. The NBA of then versus you know, the NBA of today. And how that may have changed everything. Uh, Chad, I don't know if I lost you. But there is there were certain guys. It was first, it was magic. And then it became uh, Jordan. Everybody feels like Jordan was able to get Phil, uh, what's-his-face out of there, uh, Doug Collins. and And now... You know what? Now, if you did it, it's almost like, well, we expect it. I remember that. I remember that vividly. In fact, I watched last night where they talked, they showed Magic getting booed. He absolutely did. World has changed. I'll tell you what I like, Chad. I like that Kareem knew where the big, where the big money was coming from, and it wasn't going at a million a year. That was great. Uh, the, the, roller, the roller rink scene where he said, yeah, $1 million a year for 25 years. We both know in four years. Yeah. That's going to be nothing. That's going to be base pay in the NBA. So you're not going to fool me. I, I love that show. Dan, was there a – Yeah. Go ahead. No, well, what, what, I thought that – I remember a lot of us thought that at the time. Like, I was a senior in high school, and I remember Isaiah Thomas saying that. I forget – he was, like, playing when Magic signed that, and I went down there for my visit. And Isaiah, I remember him saying he was buddies with Magic. I remember him saying that exact thing that Kareem said about that. And it turned out to be very true. Dan Dockett, you can catch him mornings here on the Outkick Network. Don't at me with Dan Dockett. Dan, always great to catch up with you. And uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Get back to the punchline of the joke you were listening to. Yeah, I, that time has passed. I think I'm going to go out, take all my clothes, and swim naked. All right, I'll give you, you a visual. Then wear them in reverse as you walk back into the house. Yep, turn it around. Yeah. Put the bathrobe <laughs> on backwards on the walk back in. Thanks, Dan. Good to see you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> see you guys. Dan Dockich gets it done. I think uh, Dan would adapt to the times of the portal. He, he would have for sure. 
It's just uh, thinking back to Magic Johnson and the move he pulled to demand a trade less than a year after signing a 25-year, $25 million contract and how it immediately got his coach fired and then how everyone hated him for doing it. I think it would be applauded by many people today that he oh, took ownership not that even, way. Not even, probably not applauded, just kind of just Shrugged. par for the course. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah oh, that happened. And it's like Antonio Brown was a massive failure with the Arena League ownership. Yeah, that happened. But the fact that there was even any debate then about what to do right. for a time, like, are we actually going to let this guy fire the coach? And they did. Joe Burrow says he's good to go for week one, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals against the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson said he's as good or better than he was in 2020. Jackson Smith and Jigba expects to play for the Seahawks on Sunday. Primary complaint next on Hot Mike. Coming up in uh, 20 minutes, Sean Merriman will join us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. You can follow us on social. Search out Outkick. Chad's sending a tweet right now from at the Chad Withrow. We're on, on uh, X. We're on X now. We Sorry. are now officially on X as of this second. And on YouTube and wherever else you can find us. That's right. Um, I don't even know where all we are. Chat. You but, can fi- f- just Google it. Yeah, that's you fair. You can figure it out. I don't know everywhere we, we are, say but you, simply, can, you can find it. We're on. We're just on. We're on. Somewhere. Clay, Clay Travis joins us in 40 minutes right after uh, Sean Merriman. Um, and uh, plenty to get to headline-wise. Again, Joe Burrow, good to go. Kelsey, unsure. Uh, that's not coming from him. Just with the swelling, the inflammation in the knee that he hyperextended in practice yesterday, if they can get the swelling down by kickoff tomorrow. Uh, his brother Jason Kelsey on radio this morning in Philly said, I think he's going to play if they can get the swelling down because it's simply a bone bruise. So we won't be complaining about the NFL week one kickoff, Kansas City and Detroit, especially if Kelsey's playing. Um, Maybe Detroit fans are complaining if he does. Uh, Chad, we certainly not much to complain about with college football week one. College football week two schedule is legit as well. I think regardless, it's going to be a good weekend with college football and NFL starting. But we always have our top grievance of the week. It is time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's Primary Complaint. Guys, my primary complaint, there there are a handful of examples where customer service is a priority for a company, for a franchise, for a business. Um, Hopefully, those watching, if you're a a business owner, a manager, employee, customer service is something that you put first. That's not the case, as we well know. Uh, Door-to-door, business-to-business, person-to-person. My most recent example is at Bucky's on the good end. You see Bucky's. You pull off, you gas up in one of their 400 options on where you can grab the, the, uh, the gas. You, you go and you get a barbecue sandwich and uh, you can get uh, Bucky's nuggets and all kinds of stuff. But the bathrooms are exquisite. Cleaned. After every use, cleaned. And you're telling me that other stops along interstates, highways, roads can't do the same thing think about the filth in a gas station bathroom 
and Bucky's does the opposite. I feel like I'm going to Augusta National <laughs> when I'm stopping in the South and uh, checking out Bucky's and everything inside. I wish more businesses were like Bucky's. That's my primary complaint. When they chop up that brisket at Bucky's Hutton, it is oh, just miraculous. The turkey. When I, I love when they have it, that guy's got it out with the rubber gloves and he's got whatever that device so, is. It's like a machete that they use <laughs> that they put both fists with the machete and they're chopping it up. The, the, it, it, you know it, what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. It is uh, And it's never ending. It's like, there's no way. I guess they do sell everything they're doing. You think they're just chopping the same meat over and over? I, I'm amazed at places like that. Chick-fil-A also falls in this category. Chick-fil-A, Bucky's, where I don't the think masters. they're paying a ton of money for these jobs, but I feel like everyone that works there has respect for it and Polite. takes so much pride in it. They're happy to be working at Bucky's or Chick-fil-A. And you just can't find that many places where no most one people are thinking, you. I'm not making enough money, I hate my job, this sucks. And that's their attitude throughout the workday. But you walk into a Bucky's, and I feel like everyone is thrilled to have a job at Bucky's. Uh, uh, just the exact opposite. Whataburger this past weekend ignored for 10 minutes while I, I stood in line wanting to order, while three other employees wouldn't even come to the register to even ask what I needed. Uh, was the restaurant closed? No, there were, there were people inside. That's the opposite end of the spectrum. I don't have a great segue for this, so I'll just <laughs> I'll roll into it. Um, Bob Barker died. Uh, uh, he was 99 years old. Bob Barker was a fixture on my grandmother's television, my Nana, who lived next door to me growing up. And every summer day, uh, and as I got older and slept in a little bit more, I, I knew I was waking up at the right time. If I got down to Nana's house to watch Price is Right, at 10 a.m. My grandmother loved Bob Barker. I love Bob Barker. Everyone loves Bob Barker. That's the beauty of Bob Barker. That's the beauty of the old school game show host. Not a celebrity, an actor or comedian or stand-up comic that later becomes a game show host like a Drew Carey or like when Alec Baldwin hosted a game show. I'm talking about a professional game show host. Pat Sajak will retire in 2024. Alex Trebek passed away in 2020. He was replaced by Ken Jennings, who does a fine job. Ken Jennings was a contestant on the show. Maya Bialik played Blossom at one point in her career. She's an actress, <laughs> but she became a game show host. I am mourning not Bob Barker's death. It's sad, but how sad is it when a 99-year-old guy dies? It's not tragic. He lived a great life, and I love Bob Barker. I am mourning the death of of the game show host as a legend that we're seeing right now. And maybe this is just generational. And because I grew up with Alex Trebek every day on Jeopardy and Bob Barker every day on, on Price is Right, there could be someone right now watching this arguing. I, I grew up with Drew Carey every day on Price is Right, and he is my Price is Right host. But when I see Steve Harvey, a comedian, a stand-up comic, hosting Family Feud, and I see other celebrities getting into the game show game, game I realize the dying breed of the professional game show host and one of the all-time greats, Bob Barker, recently passed away, and I mourn the death of that legend, and I mourn the death of the legend of the game show host. That is my primary complaint. Yeah, and uh, the best tribute I saw, I forgot who did this, retweeted the announcement that Bob Barker had passed away and, and just said, in tribute, this is me tomorrow, and th this is what I need for the memorial service. It was like a pack of saltine crackers, a, a can of Campbell's soup, like chicken noodle soup, 
and like uh, a, th- a thermometer. Yeah, the sick day. Yeah, because that's what would be on the TV. Price is right if you were homesick from school that day. They, I, thought, I thought that was great. CBS did a tribute. I, I watched it last and recorded it. I ended up watching it last night called The Price is Right. And Adam Sandler directed it. And it was just an hour-long tribute to Bob Barker's life and career. And they've done some retrospectives like this where they play some of the funniest clips with him with contestants. They played uh, when Adam Sandler came on the show in 2007 and wrote a poem, uh, an ode to Bob Barker, and read it to him on the show. And they showed the clip of the fight with Happy Gilmore with Bob Barker. I, I just, And I'm watching, I'm thinking, this is so great because this dude just exudes joy to everyone on stage. They're all yeah. so excited to be there. They're all so excited to see him. He plays so well off them. It is a lost art. The master of ceremony can be and, a lost art, and he was the perfect guy for it. And at 90 when he hosted the show and came back at 92 on an April Fool's joke and did it, he hadn't really lost a step. His voice was a little bit weaker, but he's but he reading the cue cards. Charisma. He's reading the teleprompter. Yeah. He's interacting with people. I mean, it's remarkable. I, I miss the electro voice microphone that he used as well. Yeah. The, that, that, what's funny was they had clips of him, like the, the contraptions, the games wouldn't work, and he would go punch it or kick it at times, and you hear that little – the microphone – Hitting as he does it, it was terrific. Davey, Davey, Davey Hudson yeah, well, next up. Be- before I even get into mine, I, I do think a big part of it, like everything's such a ratings game now, but like the legendary host that you're referring to, Chad, I am kind of curious if the next generation, if if somebody stays in the, those roles for that time period, like we saw like Bob Barker, obviously the longest tenured host of The Price is Right, will that be something that future generations kind of look on and, and maybe it changes? But I get it, and I think now with – how ratings are key, and there's just so many other options. Usually whenever they're going to get these game show hosts, they're just going to get people that people already know, maybe not people that would be best suited for the show long term. Well, well, even the next generation care or watch them. You know, I watch them because I had like eight channels when I was a kid, and eventually we got cable, which gave us, you know, 45 channels. Yeah. And to Davey's point, now there are so many options. I don't know if young people watch Jeopardy today. My parents record and watch Jeopardy every day. To this day, they still do. But, you know, my parents aren't going to be around forever. Are young people watching Jeopardy? I don't know. It's sad either way. Uh, guys, my primary complaint is uh, in line with Hutton's as far as the the gas stations and some of the, the amenities there. Well, this one is something that should be common and should be maintained at every gas station, but it's the air compressor for your tires. How... I go around downtown Nashville and cannot find a single one of these things that works. It constantly says out of order. I will at least give them credit that they have a place where you can insert a credit card at this point, even though it doesn't work now. And so it's like, guys, if if I'm dealing with a, a tire that is close to being flat or definitely has low air, I am going to need that air sooner rather than later. So knowing that your place is out of business isn't going to help me in that regard. Uh, The other day I had to drive around to three different spots. And I can't remember the name I actually stopped at of the place I stopped at. But there was fortunately a mechanic shop right next door. And uh, I remember the guy's name was Steve. Steve's like, hey, man, that one's out of order. But I got a, a... got one right here you can use for free so shout out steve uh for for coming in clutch there but this is something that we just need to keep maintained this isn't that hard i don't don't know what the problem is here they're they're always broken it's like the soft serve ice cream at mcdonald's yeah the machine's always down doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency to get them repaired well i don't know you're right i don't know if it's the gas station that owns that or if it's like you know someone that put a bubble gum machine in at the mexican restaurant third party vendor yeah and you 
I don't know. Like the red box company that comes in and puts that yeah, in a, a local Walgreens? Is there an air compressor service that comes around? I, I doubt I, it. Hutton, but, I think you just stumbled upon a, a million-dollar idea, a possible billion-dollar no, idea. If there's not, maybe we can actually— Trust me, Chad. If I am thinking about something, I don't know if it exists. It, someone's already thought someone's about it. Someone's probably thought about it. But, yeah. I mean, if we could make a reliable air compression machine that's yeah. at every gas station, then maybe we could make a the, lot of money. Davey, though, you're right about the card— aspect that it's the credit card part of it that's always broken um if we could get back i don't want to get back to this only for air compressors if we could get back to a world where i actually had four quarters in my car um well, now it's gone up to a dollar fifty hut oh, oh, so okay you need six six quarters um you know it I don't recall the coin. I don't recall the coin insert ever being broken. It was always the where I have to swipe my credit card for the, to get the air to work. Air should be free. It's like water. Yeah, water at a restaurant. Air and yeah. there are some Earth. places where the compressor is free. I, I bet it's free at Bucky's. When when they started bottling water, I, I, I didn't realize that that was works. not a common thing until what like the late eighties. Like, Bottled water. Yeah. Well, bottled water, I feel like, wasn't even a thing that people would ever have around until I was a teenager. <laughs> well, 50 Cent, was didn't he start, or he, he was the main investor in Smart Water, and then he sold it to Coke? One of those. Coca-Cola? He made a lot of money, I know that, with his, with his sell of whatever his product was. I don't remember ever having bottled waters in my home until the late 90s. I'm with, uh, I don't even know. If I, it was probably after that for me. Yeah. After the late 90s. I'm, I'm talking about the single-use bottles. I, yeah. We had, like, the gallon jugs. Yeah, we'd have that occasionally. It was just tap water. Yeah. If you wanted water, you went to the tap, and you drank the tap water. When the server no comes filter, around at the restaurant, tap water. and they ask you for tap, uh, spring, and what's the other one? Dist- is it distilled that they offer you? I don't know what restaurants you're eating at, but they have, just say you want water. Have I, uh, Chad, you know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't, I've White never, tablecloths. I, I don't recall anyone a- actually saying Not where you meet your tender anything but tap. I, like, they already have tap there. I'm like, yeah, tap's fine. Um, I don't, can you imagine like actually saying like tap, I'm too good for tap water? It, most of the time, if they have different options, they'll say, uh, is tap okay? Yeah. I don't get like the list oh, no. of three. Some, Would you like spring, mineral, tap, it's, oh, distilled? Yeah. They'll just say, um, is tap okay? Yeah, actually, yes. I'll, I'll take a Fiji, please, from, right. the, from the spring of Fiji. I only take uh, water from a certain spring uh, in, the, in the Bahamas somewhere, uh, somewhere on an island, uh, not Fiji, but yeah, just give me tap water. Yeah. I mean, how pretentious are you? Apparently, some uh, people are pretty pretentious. But I, I think the restaurant does it just to make it, if it's a four make star or five star, they, they do it just to add to it. And I think if they actually bring something out, it's probably tap water either way. Yeah. They tell you it's Fiji. Yeah. Or like, you want natural spring water? Sir, one moment. We sir. just poured this out of our mop bucket. You're going to drink one it. One moment. And you're going to like it. Davey would, uh, would get up and walk out of a date um, if the date said anything but tap water. He would walk out and of the date if, if she ordered anything. I don't blame you for that, Davey. I mean, it is free. Air's not. Nope. Bottle water is Nor does it either. work. Sean Merriman next. We'll ask him about the contract holdouts of two big defensive players in the NFL. That's next.